Easter changes literally everything, beginning with you, beginning with really you. Now, when you walked in, you received a bulletin, as I did, and I'd like you just to take that bulletin out, because there are a couple of cards in there I want you to look at, because midway into the service, you're going to get bored, you're going to wonder what to do. These cards will keep you awake. <laughs> Fill these out. You, one's a connection card. We're going to come back to that. That's yellow, and, that's, and so just you can fill that out as you like. And then the green card, as you ask for it, which is just a survey that we'll take that you want, uh, you want to hear a message about, and, and this is your opportunity to tell us, okay? Um, I am in the Bible this morning in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, but I want to start, if you have a Bible, go to 1 Peter 2, but I want to start really with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And and I want us to say it out loud together. So uh, it's, it's on the screen. It's what we call the 830 service. <laughs> you know what it is called, don't you? Practice. Yes. That won't happen in the other services because we'll be out buying a new mic. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Read it out loud with me with gusto, would you? Right from the side screens. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians is the second book of Corinthians, and chapter is 5, and then the verse is the smallest piece, the smallest piece of the sentence would be verse 17. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. Living Bible puts it this way, kind of a paraphrase. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Now, if you were like I was, I always thought Christianity is something that you get, and it is, but it's much more than that. Listen carefully. Christianity is not simply a person who gets forgiveness, gets the gift of the Holy Spirit, gets a family of faith, gets open eyes to hear the word of God and actually understand it, gets peace with God. Christianity is not just getting eternal life with God the Father in heaven. You get all those things, but you get so much more. Let me keep going. Christianity is not just about what you get getting to go to heaven, getting a new nature, the promise of supernatural help, the power to face the challenges of life, and you get all those, but it isn't just that. Christianity is more than just the grace that's extended to you and getting reconciliation with God Easter is not just about getting something. Easter is about becoming somebody. We get the difference. It's not about just what you get. It's about who Christ makes you. You're a whole new creation, a whole new person. What you were before is not what you are now. You're a new person in Christ. Being in Christ the resurrected Lord makes me a whole brand new person. And that person didn't exist before. It's, it's something brand new. In our house, we sometimes we watch a little TV. One of my favorite kinds of shows, other than like right now we're watching, you know, Sweet 16, Final Four. Now we're bound to the final game. We watch a little sports at our house. But, um, but well, we like to watch those renovation shows. Anybody else a renovation show person? Yeah, several of us here. Sometimes, usually, they'll walk into a place and they'll say, yeah, the guy tried this. He started renovating the kitchen a decade ago. You seen those? And he started like a decade ago. And he, all he did is he put a little paint on the wall and stuck a couple of those air freshener plug-ins. That was renovation to him. And what do they do? 
they come in and they use this term, it's not a very pretty term, but they use this term, it's called, okay, we're going to gut it. You've heard that? Okay, we're just going to gut it. But call the truck, bring the dumpster, and the next day they sledgehammer everything. I mean, if ever you had anger issues, that would be the place to take them. Amen? I mean, you just can go, you can do anything you want to that kitchen that day. Because they're going to rip all the cabinets out, sink, doesn't matter. They don't go, oh, that's my favorite cabinet. It's gone. They rip it out to the studs. And if they find the studs are bad, they'll rip them out. And if they don't like the window, they'll rip it out. And if, under the sink, they always find rotted boards. And they're always shocked at these. You look at those. This is off the text here. But you look at, and you look under the sink. They'll go, oh, how did water get there? Well, it's a sink, you idiot. It's a sink. <laughs> You're going to have rot under the sink. Always, How did that bathtub stay on the second floor all these years? You know, have you seen those? You know, you know how much water weighs? They get this dispersion chart. and they, How did that tub? I can tell you why it stayed up there. Two things. Um, one is the tube of glue you use. And the other is you haven't cleaned it. Dirt is holding it up there all those years. Okay, back to the sermon. What Satan would love to do. What God does is he guts the kitchen of your life, takes, rips out the old, puts in the new. If you're taking notes, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I, it's Christ who lives in I, it's a brand new person. He rips out the old man, puts in the new, it's the whole book of Ephesians right there. He, and it's down to the drywall, new, they, they pull new wire, they run new pipe, it's all new, brand new cabinets, everything's new, all new. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to say, yeah, you came to Christ. That's just like a cheap layer of cheap, uh, uh, cheap paint and a little plug-in. That's all that is. And he wants you to believe that. And he wants you to believe that your life will still stink after that. See, Satan wants to mess with your identity. So, and he can't get to God. So what he does is he gets to God's kids. He perverts, get this, he destroys, he distorts your true identity, which is in Christ. He cannot hurt you, so he goes, after, he, can't, he goes after God's children. And he has to be subtle about it with hurtful relationships, pain that will cause you to shut down. He'll even use media on you, overwhelming you with the sense of never being satisfied. He wants you to be like everybody else, so you're cloned. But God didn't create clones, nor did he make copies, nor did he make um, competitive uh, copies. What he made was a new creation. You are unique to anybody else in the world, anybody else in the world, because you're a new creation in Christ when you come in Christ. All Satan wants you to do is begin to think for a moment. You don't matter. You are worthless. That sin you, you committed 20 years ago, it's going to be your ruin. You'll never get right with God. God will always be mad at you for this. You will never be right. And when Satan does that, it goes viral in your heart because it starts to bounce around inside your soul, and you begin to think that. That's why it's so, so important that we, that we rip out that old thought and put in a new thought, like, like uh, Psalm chapter 19, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. I gotta tell myself the truth, Lord. You're my rock, you're my redeemer. Instead, I need to pick the truth in love and speak it to myself. So I grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head that's Christ, Ephesians chapter 4. And if it's, if it's true, if it's noble, if it's right, if it's pure, whatever is lovely, if it's admirable, if it's anything excellent, praiseworthy, whatever that is, if, if it's that, then that's what I want to think about. And then the God of peace visits me. 
You see, sometimes we have a lack of peace. It, it, it isn't because of the circumstances, it's because of what we're telling ourselves. We stir up the angst within our own hearts. And so when the lies fly around inside of our heart, they, they eventually play head games on us. And then when they are done playing head games, it finally leaks out with faithless, kind of hopeless, loveless kinds of words, ugly words. You've had it happen with you. Please say I'm not alone on this, right? You've had it happen with you. That's why we're going to be doing a new series to start next Sunday called Soul Detox. Because you have, to, you have to deal with the contamination the world brings in because it just wants to leach in on you all the time and you want to keep pushing that at bay. And so how do you get the contamination out of your system? Next week we're going to begin a new series. It'll run at least four weeks. It could run eight, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we may take a break for Mother's Day, but it is so deep and so wide. We want to be set apart as dear children of God in a hostile world and the hostility tends to clog the flow of love within our lives and the pure heart and pure motive and sincere heart, and then it weakens your strength, just like your physical body. It'll happen to you emotionally and spiritually, too. So next Sunday, we'll start that soul detox process. Anybody been through detox in your life? Just, I've done it with sugar and caffeine. Just me. Okay. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. If you've been through detox, you know, it's not happy, is it? Once every couple years, I say, I can go without coffee, and I like it like at 9.30 in the morning. Okay, I give up. You know, what a wimp. Yeah. You have to detox occasionally or you become dependent on it. And we're going to talk about how God uniquely wired us to, to clean the soul of our own heart and live with a pure heart, which then gives us a new kind of energy. Okay? Now, here's the thing. You will never know really who you are. You may want to write this down. You don't really know who you are until you know whose you are. Whose you are. You are bought with a price, Corinthians says, chapter 6. We're in 5, but go, if you go to 6, 19. You, you honor God with your body. Why? Because you were bought with a price. You belong to Christ. That addresses the issue of ownership. Actually, that settles a whole bunch for your life. Now, things that are owned really have a value based upon two things. Who, who owns them? That's really where your value comes from. Who owns them? And secondly, what's someone willing to pay? You know this, right? This is really simple. This is simple market right here, marketing. If I had a pair of tennis shoes and I had a garage sale and I had a pair of tennis shoes I'm going to sell, they might go for five bucks, okay? But if those shoes were LeBron's shoes, they might go for $7.50, I'm thinking, right? More than five bucks. Maybe $7.50. You're thinking $750, which is probably closer to the truth, Right? Because you know if you could get LeBron shoes on, you could dunk too. Yeah, yeah, I could too if the basket were seven feet off the ground. Yeah. It depends on who owns it. I just found out about a week ago, 25 years ago, Napoleon's toothbrush sold for $21,000, his toothbrush. Some of you are going, Napoleon dynamite brushes his teeth? No, a different Napoleon, <laughs> the French revolutionary leader, You'll get to it eventually. His toothbrush, which when they found it, was cruddy, and it was nothing you would ever put in your mouth. But because he owned it, it sold for $21,000. It depends on who owns you. And if you, you see, right now, you are created by God. He owns you to the rights to this. He, he's the only one who can create life. You're created by God, so he owns you. But then he bought you back. He redeemed you. That's the biblical term, to buy you out. He bought you when Jesus paid 
the price for your sin. So he's bought you twice. So the value on you is high. But that's the issue of ownership. Now, the issue of what will people be willing to pay? You might have a bed at home that Lincoln slept in. So you might go, well, it's worth 100 grand, but no one's willing to pay that, that it's not really worth 100 grand. So what does God say about you? He said, well, I gave my son for you. That tells you what God's opinion is of the value of you. He was willing to risk losing his son in order to save you. So therefore, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Take God's word at it. You're in Christ, in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Get that, in Christ. That, that phrase appears some 100, over 100 times in the New Testament alone. And 35 of those times, it tells us really uh, what it means to be in Christ. It describes being in Christ. But a person who trusts Christ as Savior is described as being not only in Christ, but with a whole new identity. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you're there, verse 9. You are, now get that, first two words. You are, that's identity. That's not what you're going to be. They, they did it back then, they had future tense, past, present. They had more tenses than we do actually today. You are, it's in, it's in a, a present, ongoing tense. You are, it's not what we're working on, what we're hoping to be, not what we want to be someday. He's saying, no, you are now. And so not only is it present tense, but the scholars tell us an interesting thing about this, and as you read it, you'll find it to be true. Scholars call this phrase uh, the collective plural. And by that, they're saying, you all are, and then they collectively, and he speaks, when Peter writes this, he speaks in a plural form about who we are in Christ. You are, verse 9, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. These are like titles. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Another title. And now he, sa he, now he says, and this is one more thing you've received. Once you've not received mercy, now you've received mercy. Get this. There's five, actually, word pictures and Peter gives us these word pictures to help us understand who we are in Christ. He's saying, number one, you're a chosen people. Number two, you're a royal priesthood. Number three, you're a holy nation. Number four, you're God's special possession. Number five, you're the people of God. Get that. You see, Easter changes everything. Everything. And it starts with you. It starts with me. We are new creations in Christ. We're brand new people. Let's go back through them again. I am chosen, number one. That means I am completely accepted by God. That means he went down the row and picked me. Oh, yeah. And just when you think you're proud about that, understand this. Ephesians says, you were picked before the foundation of the earth. You know how kids get picked, right? Pick me, pick me, pick me. Yeah, adults do the same thing. It's just called management strategy. That's the only difference. Pick me, pick me. And, and you think, I'm giving God a great deal. I got picked because he saw a great deal. No, he didn't because he picked you before the foundation of the earth, before you could earn being picked. He picked you not because of your greatness, but because of his graciousness. Get that. Oh. So we are completely accepted and humbled to be picked. There are no more games, no more performance stuff, no more competition. He just picked us because he's gracious. Number two, we're royal priesthood. 
So you can say in application, I am extremely valuable. God doesn't leave you just inside the kingdom door. He sets you up as a priest so you can approach the throne of grace. The priest has access to the throne of grace. You can walk around, can talk to God the Father in heaven. As a priest, you have access to God. So you can talk to God and be advised by him. You can listen to God and speak to God, take your concerns to God because we have relationships and you have the credentials to move around in the kingdom because you're a priest. But you're just not any priest, you're a royal priest. Royal priests are tied to the authority of the king of kings. Can you imagine? You have a lanyard that says priest. Yeah, yeah, but not just I'm a royal priest. I can go pretty much wherever I want. Wouldn't that be cool? That's what you are. That's what you are in Christ. So you're not only completely accepted, number two, you're extremely valuable. Number three, you're connected to authority because you're a holy nation. As God's people, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of a nation. It, this is a kingdom that will never end and ultimately prove to be right and victorious. Get that, and victorious. So we approach life differently. Not only as a great people, a nation, but we approach life differently because we're not just a nation, a mass of people, but we're a holy nation. We have a holy agenda. And before anything else, we're a holy people set aside for God's particular work, his agenda. That's a huge responsibility. It's a wonderful title. So that changes the way I view other people within the kingdom. It changes the way you view other brothers and sisters in Christ because you're part of a holy nation. You have a citizenship that's in heaven. You, you better get used to these Christians because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them in the future. See, We're a holy nation. Number four, we're God's special possession. We are lovingly, here's the application, lovingly possessed. You, you know that Wanda and I have four daughters and a son, right? And uh, my daughters are this college age, and now they're leaving home. Whenever they go on long trips or anything, I quote to them bits of Liam Neeson. You know who he is? <laughs> like, you, you know what I'm talking about? I have four daughters, okay? And they're my possession. I don't care what, you say. I don't care what the law is. I don't, care, I don't mean to be rebel about the law. I'm just telling you. And you think I'm bad. Don't mess with the mama bear. I mean, she'd come at you. There'd be no murder if they can't find a body, you know. Her daddy's a Marine, you know. She knows how to do stuff I, I think is unthinkable, you know, just, whoa. I better get back on track here. But when my daughters go on a trip, I'll just say, uh, just so you know, if something should happen to you, you know, I don't have a lot of money. In fact, I don't have that many skills, but I have friends who have skills that will hunt you down and we will find you. Amen? And if you have daughters, you know what I'm talking about, right? And just to think, if God in heaven, if I'm that way about my daughters, and I love them in a human way, just think how, what God would do for us. Think about that. We are God's special possession. We are taken. It is, it is beautiful, but it's secure. We are, we are spoken for. We're looked after 
Someone's out for our deliverance and someone is out for our defense and so it's safe. And if you've ever been attacked, you've ever been under attack, you've ever thought you might be attacked, you may have felt insecure in your life, that just shudders you. You need to know the Father in heaven calls you his own possession, takes you as his own. And you are safe in the arms of Jesus. And, and what I find really cool is, is Jesus says, you're in my hand and I am in the Father's hand and nobody can pluck you out, even if you wanted to get out. Some of you have teenagers right now or young adults who say, I believe Jesus, I just want to do my thing, you're scared to death. Hey, listen, they are in the hands of the Lord and they can't get out if they wanted to. They aren't strong enough. See, It's a wonderful possession piece. You take heart in. Number five, I'm part of an eternal family. Why? Because I'm the people of God. People of God. We were once, I wrote this this week, we were once nobodies. <laughs> it used to be the t-shirt. I'm a nobody. Now you're a somebody. You're the people of God. You have a place to belong. You have a place to fit. In a world that squeezes people out and diminishes their worth, and uses them, squeezes them out, and then throws them to the curb, right? Isn't that what happens in society? You are in a kingdom of the people of God where people really matter. Why is that? Because you are in Christ. You are a brand new person. So you may be saying, you know what? I, I, you're telling me the truth, and I'm hearing it, but I, I feel at times like my identity is lost. But let me just give you, just in a minute, uh, identity recovery, Okay? I do this? I don't have time to explain it. In fact, the community groups may do this this week. I, I don't know, but this would be worth really unpacking some more. But standard operating procedure, when identity is lost, you've had this happen, right? Where they're, they're shutting down your account because something happened. A, a, a number, I'll tell you one more story. We're ahead of time, right? Okay, got time. I don't know, it was a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, Wanda and I took a Saturday we drove to Fredericksburg, beat one of our daughters. They're, she's living in Virginia. I, we, we were shopping. We're having a good time. I look at my daughter's car, car, car and the tires are bald. I mean, they're, they're, I don't know how she got there. I don't know how she got to Fredericksburg. The tires are bald, but I just bought tires like 18 months ago. So there's a lot of tread out on the road that's mine. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking, are you, is this Dukes of Hazard? I don't know if you don't know what that is, just go look it up. And I'm thinking, what in the world happened? And I look at Wanda, and I say, she, I can't let her go back like this. You know, again, Liam Neeson again, happening right there in the parking lot in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So I say, you go shop. I'm, I'm going. So I go to the Walmart, the Walmart, the, the classiest place in Fredericksburg on a Saturday. <laughs> Think about it. Sorry, you're from Fredericksburg. I just have to get tires on this thing. So I get tires on this thing. It's a Saturday. So you're waiting and you're chewing gum and trying not to stare at the people there. I think that's what they're called. So I get all done. I go to pay and my card gets rejected. Now I've got tires on, but I'm like the best dressed guy in the tire section. And I, they're looking at me like I have a stolen card. You know, right now, I just got no money on it. I go, what? It's got to have... $3,000, I keep a minimum balance. I, Zach, that can't be right. And he's like, yeah, right, that's what the last guy said. <laughs> well, I happen to have enough money in my pocket to pay for the tires. As I'm paying for the tires in cash, my phone rings. Guess who it is? It's the bank. You know what they're saying? We just shut down your card. Someone's using your card out of state. 
I'm in Fredericksburg. It's me. Yeah, so, no, it's in the, they're at the Walmart. They're buying tires right now. That would be me. That would be me. I wanted to, ha I wanted to put it out to the waiting room. It's the bank. They say I have the money. You know, you, it's all good. It's all good. Jeez, oh, Pete. Anybody been there before? I had that? My gosh. I can't go back to Fredericksburg now. I have to go around. I have to go through Richmond to get to... So when someone steals your identity, here's what they tell you to do. Detect it, realize it, find out, first of all, is your identity really stolen? Find out, make sure. Number two, alert the authorities. Number three, close any accounts. Just start shutting them down. Lock them down as fast as you can go. Number four, take control. Change the things you can, like the passwords. That makes sense, doesn't it? And then number five, you have to stay alert. Now understand, if they're after one card or two, they may be going after another account, another bank account. So you have to be alert, be ever aware. Now, spiritually, same thing happens. Number one, find out, is it, my identity really being stolen? You have to stop living in denial because it's happening. You just don't know it. So live up, be honest with yourself. Number two, alert the authorities, which is to pray. Talk to God. God, I, I'm feeling like I'm not your child. I'm not the one ch child of the one true king. I don't feel that way today. Be honest with God that way. I don't feel like I'm adopted into your family. I feel like an orphan. Be honest with him. Just talk to him. Thirdly, close the accounts. You have to shut down the bad feeds in your life, the stuff that's feeding you restlessness. And the media might be part of it. Uh, friends might be draining you. You may have to select the amount of time you spend with certain friends. Number four, take control. You have to fill your mind with the truth, like with the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, Psalm 19. Uh, Philippians, whatever is true and right and noble, I have to start filling my mind with the right stuff. Those are the right passwords. So that's the truth I need to get. And then number five, stay alert. You have to guard your heart the rest of your life. And why do you have to do that? You have to do that because in Christ, you're a new creation. And, and God isn't making a mistake. He's not putting you on temporary hold. You're in the family. Uh, what has to happen is you just have to feel like you're in the family. The only way that's going to happen is you feed on the truth. You see, Easter changes absolutely everything. Everything. He makes everyone who comes to him and comes in Christ, he makes them a brand new creation. Now, maybe that's your story. You, you would agree and say, yeah, it's my story. But maybe you're at the door going, you know what, I thought I was a believer, but I'm really not. I need what you're talking about. Then this is your great day. This is your great day. In just a moment... We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord to bless you as people. But, um, and we're going to give to the Lord in just a few moments. We're going to present our tithes and offerings to the Lord. But before we do that, I want you to pull out that yellow card, that connection card again. Because we've done something a little different with the card this year. On the side where it has your name and your contact info, and even if you just give me an email address or whatever you want to give me, it's fine. Just let me know who you are. We'll drop those in the offering in, in a little bit. But at the bottom of the card, it says it has A, B, C, and D. And this is your chance to really respond. You may be saying, Dave, I'm already a believer, and I'm glad to know the truth, and I'm glad to have this right standing before the Lord. I'm already there, 
But it's great to have this reminder and to kind of get a booster shot, if you will, to really embrace this truth. For some of us in the room, you're believing for the first time. You're saying, yeah, I want this life in Christ. I've thought I was a Christian, but I'm really not. And today I'm committing my life to Christ. I want to trust him. So you're going to circle B. Others of us in the room are saying, you know what? I'm hearing the claims of Christ, and that's great. I'm curious about it. I'm considering it. But that's where I am. I'm not ready to make the commitment to it, but I'm, I'm curious. And I want to pray for you. And so if you'll circle C, I'll be sure to pray for you this week. And uh, if you're thinking about it, that's the letter C. That's a wonderful place to be. The letter D is a tough one. It's one I don't even want to put down, but I think it's just really good if, you would, if you're just saying, I don't buy it. Letter D, I just deny it altogether. I don't buy it. You know what? Your honesty will help me. And I know sometimes when you don't buy it, preaching like this or communication like this and Bible talks like this, they're foolishness to you, and I understand that. But it helps me with my presentation. You know, what is it that's missing? What is it that you don't get that makes you deny? Or you just say, I'm just not there, and I don't plan to ever be there. You know what? That'll help me in my prayers for you in the days ahead. And what I'm promising is this. When we take the offering this week, sometime between now and next Lord's Day, uh, provided it is a disaster or anything else happening, I'm going to read every card, and I'm going to pray as I read. And I, I, want, I, I want to respond to the cards. If, if you let me know you're a believer, I'll send you some follow-up material. There'll be people off the side to pray up here if you want to uh, pray with people. If you just have a prayer need, you're up for a job transfer, a your sickness, a, you know, promotion, family issues, whatever, you can just come up here and pray. But I'm happy to pray for you. And we have a team of people that'll pray. The whole team is honored that you're here to worship. And so we want to honor that and, and just trust us. The cards go nowhere else but SPC. We don't let them out off-site. So let's go to prayer. I'll ask the ushers, too, as we... Uh, as we go to prayer, that you prepare to pass the baskets to receive our gifts to the Lord and our responses. And your gift to the Lord today may just be the card, your decision to trust Christ. So God, our Father in heaven, we exalt your wonderful name. You've done wonderful things in our lives and we celebrate the coming of Jesus. We remember with sorrow his death for our sins and his life in us. We remember today his resurrection and the fact that it creates in us whole new people. It really does change everything. Now, let me pause in the prayer and let me just tell you this. If, if your decision this morning is that letter B, you're believing Christ today, let me help you with that transition because you may not have the words to say to God, I, I really want to believe so let me just give you some suggested words. You may, if you're believing Christ for the very first time today, you may say to God in your own heart, dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner and I, I cannot earn my way. I need your forgiveness. I could never be perfect. So I trust Christ to be my perfection, Christ to be my savior, Christ, Christ to pay for my sins. I accept him into my life by faith. Please help me to know that I am in Christ, a new creation. 
Help me to live for him all the days of my life. Thank you. And God, our Father in heaven, we are grateful for those who are hearing this truth and embracing it for the very first time. For those who are curious, we're grateful for the intellectual honesty, even for those who deny it, for the intellectual honesty to say, I buy in or I don't. Lord, that's between you and them, and we honor them today. But Lord, for the, for the many who are here just affirming the very truth that we embrace as our own, God, may we leave here solidifying this identity that we have in Christ, that we live as different people. Would you do a work in all of us to confirm that your word is true and powerful, able to pierce our soul and spirit. May we come to you as living, as the living God and the life-giving God. And even now as we give to you, we know that there is a God in heaven who will not be outdone. And so we give on this first day of the week, setting aside a sum, knowing that giving is good for our own soul. It's a great act of worship. And we know that there's a Father in heaven who provides because we're his kids. And so this commitment in faith is a commitment of, that we're making as we give. And we do so joyfully to the glory of Christ our Savior in whose name we pray, the church says, amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. It's been wonderful.